Now, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 36. Jeremiah chapter 36. And I'm going to read a few verses. And don't be discouraged when I read the verses because it may not make a lot of sense. And that's my job to try to put it together in a way that we can understand it together and learn from it. And uh, I sure have been touched by this particular passage. And I know that it's not preached on very often. I've heard, heard it preached on very few times in my ministry. And I've only dealt with it maybe one other sermon or two other sermons in my years of preaching. But yet God focused my attention to it tonight because I think it's something special for our Wednesday night crowd and those that join us on Wednesday night by live stream. In Jeremiah chapter 36, let's begin reading first with verse one and read a few verses. And I don't mean to skip everything. I just, for time's sake, I'm not gonna read the whole chapter. You can go back and read it. The Bible says, and it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the king of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Take thee a roll of a book and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee from the days of Josiah even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them that they may return every man from his evil way that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of, of Neariah and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah said unto Baruch, saying, I am shut up, I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. Now let's go forward to verse 20, if you will. Again, I know we're skipping a lot, but I'll fill it in for you if you trust me to do that. In verse 20, <clears throat> and they went, now this is after that they've heard the reading, and they went into the king, into the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudai to fetch the roll and he took it out of Elishama the scribe's chamber and Jehudai read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until the roll was consumed in the fire, and consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Verse 28, the Lord speaking again to Jeremiah and he's, Jeremiah is telling Baruch, he's getting this command from God. Take thee again another scroll, another roll and write it in all the former words, write in all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah hath burned. Now, 
Jeremiah is one of those books that you have a difficult time getting thrilled about the book of Jeremiah. Because when you get to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is the prophet with a burden. He is a weeping prophet. He's weeping not because of his own pain or his own suffering, but he sees the direction that Judah has gone and God has placed on him the words of judgment to give to Judah to say, if you don't repent, this is going to happen. Well, they disregarded the word of God and the more they disregarded the word of God, the more burdened and really it's almost to a point where you have to feel somewhat the discouragement of the prophet in these few verses that we read and few chapters that we read because he's so burdened about the fact that he is preaching it and teaching it and they're not listening to it. They just go right on. They ignore it and they turn away from God's word. Well, when you get to chapter 36, there's a wonderful little account in the life of Jeremiah, which uh, if you allow me just to put it in story form, basically God gives Jeremiah his word. And he said, I want you to write it in a roll, which is a scroll. And he said, I want you to uh, share this word with the people of Judah at the temple. Well, there was a problem. And I focused on that fifth verse for a reason. The problem was Jeremiah himself couldn't go to the house of God. I'll deal with that in a minute. Why? But in the meantime, he sends his scribe, Baruch, which is ask him to pin down all the words. Jeremiah is speaking the word, and here is this scribe writing the word on the roll, on the scroll that's to be read. He said, now go read it to the people as they come. He reads it to the people. When they hear the word of God, immediately they take that roll and, and it's a large scroll, if you will, and they place it in the scribe of the king's chamber, Elishama. So they put it in his chamber and they're wondering what to do because they know the king's not gonna like what he hears. But yet, now they've heard it and they know there's gonna be a problem if they don't let the king know what they've heard. So here they are, trying to find the right plan. So they say, this is what we'll do. We'll go in, we'll talk to the king. We'll let him know what we heard. When he hears what they say, for evidence proof, he is sitting in his winter house by a warm fire. Boy, that sounds good right now, doesn't it? And he is comfortable in his house when they bring him this word. When he gets the word, he says, bring the roll. They bring the roll, they read to him out of that just three or four leaves, three or four sections. He never even made it to the first point. By the first point of the message that God had given, he takes out a pen knife, he cuts out the word of God, dissects it, and throws it in the fire. So he's done away with the word of God. Verse 28, God says, this is remarkable to me. Jeremiah, repeat it again, word for word. Now, can you imagine, I I mean, there's sermons that I preach more than one time, but I could not imagine preaching a sermon a second time 
and using every word in the second sermon that I did in the first sermon. But there's only one way that we can explain that. It's the word of God inspired by the spirit of God. So he gives him the word, word for word again, writes it upon the scroll again. So today, here we have it as a copy once again. So basically, here's what you've got. You've got a prophet that heard from God that has a scribe that is sharing the message that has come from God to the people. The people reject it. The king rejects it. The leaders reject it. And they say, we don't like it. So we're just gonna cut out of it. See if he's gonna burn it. That's, that's what's stuck in my mind. Why would you cut it? And then burn it. If you're gonna burn it, it's gone anyway. But he first takes out a pen knife and he cuts it and then he burns it. Now, here's the warning to us. Be careful what you cut out of this book. It's the whole book. I know I've been dealing a lot with uh, reading your Bible and being in the word and knowing the word of God. You need the whole counsel of God. I realize you don't understand all of it, but you cannot find something that you don't like and just do away with it. What I'm going to tell you tonight will change your life if you'll just listen to what God has given us in this 36th chapter. There are things that the devil wants cut out of our life that if he can, he knows if we have it and we act on it, he's in trouble. So he said, listen, we've seen it happen. Look what he's done. He's tried to dissect it to begin with and then tried to destroy it. But you can't destroy the word of God. So first he dies saying, oh, look what he's cut out. He cut out prayer out of school. He cut out the 10 commandments. Let's get rid of the 10 commandments. Why? You can't have 10 commandments posted on government buildings. Somebody might read it and believe it. Well, I wish right now somebody would believe thou shalt not kill because it's not hardly safe to go into a city anywhere. I wish somebody would believe thou shalt not steal. I mean, why would we want to do away with something that makes us better? But see, he dissected it. Let's cut it out and I can keep going. You know how it goes. We've seen it done over and over again. Something you don't like, I'll just take that out of the word of God and I'll just do away with it because I don't like what that says. But after you start with that, you have second thoughts. Let's just destroy all of it. Let's not believe any of it. Let's not follow any of it. If you can't believe God's word, then you can't have what you need to get through in this life. So this is all about one thing, rejection. Rejection of God's word. So let's think about that rejection for just a moment. Two things. First, we see the rejection of the man of God. Why did he have Baruch to go give the message? He said in verse five, I am shut up. I cannot go to the house of the Lord. Why, why was he shut up? Well, that's, that's a big question. You can find a lot of answers for it too. Some say, well, I've heard it preached. Jeremiah was in prison. He was not in prison. That's an impossibility. Well, you say, preacher, you seem pretty confident about that. Well, go to verse 19, you'll find out why. 
Then said the princes, when they heard the word, said the princes to Baruch, go hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where you be. Now, Baruch couldn't go to prison and get him out of prison. He was free to go. He just wasn't free to go to church. See, here's the major problem. It's one thing when the world rejects the word. It's another thing when the church rejects the word. So they said, this is what we'll do. The problem is the man of God. If we can get rid of that preacher, we'll get rid of the word of God. And I want to tell you this, folks. I'm saying it compassionately. He's just about succeeded in this nation to get rid of the preachers now. And we're coming on with a generation that's not concerned about preaching the word of God any longer or knowing what the word of God says. He wants to shut the preacher up. And he said, I'm going to get him at a place of confinement. It simply means confinement. We don't know why. Some say, well, he had a defilement that kept him going to the temple. That's a possibility. I don't deny that. But I doubt with the communication that's happening here with Baruch, had he had that defilement of some type of a disease, for example, like leprosy, then Baruch would have been forbidden to go. So I doubt that that was the problem. I don't think he had had it. Others say, well, he had been disbarred from the temple area by the king. The king didn't like it. And the king said, let's shut up the messenger. That's the move of the devil right now. You don't believe that? There's things that you preach now for those live stream is wonderful. But you know the curse of live stream, when you preach the whole counsel of God, they shut you out. They shut it down. Say it's hate speech, it's not hate speech. It's God's word. God's trying to help us. So they say, let's let's just do away with the messenger. Let's get rid of the message. If we can get somebody that don't preach it, then we won't have to worry about it. But I don't think that was the reason why, that he had been disbarred by the king merely. I don't don't think that was it, not in the least. Well, what was it? I, I think it was just disgust for preaching. I think if you'll go to chapter seven, I'm not gonna read it. You can read it tonight when you go home or tomorrow. If you go to chapter seven, you'll read that he had gone to the temple, was at the gate of the temple, was catching the people coming in and he was preaching this message of judgment to the people as they were coming in. And they didn't like that. So what they said is, let's just just take care of this. If we don't allow him to come here, then we don't have to listen to what he has to say. Don't you know you can't stop the message? There's always a Baruch. (laughs) You can stop when one preacher dies and goes home with the Lord. God will just raise two more up. He'll bring along what you need when it's needed. And I don't care what they do to try to stop the message. You can't stop the message from coming from men. God uses preachers. God has chosen the avenue of preachers. Preachers aren't better than anyone else. I love teaching, I love singing, I love praying, but God says there's some things that's only accomplished through preaching. It takes the foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, it's foolish that God ever had to call a preacher to preach, but God uses preachers. So what he's saying is, I'm I'm gonna reject the messenger. So I'll reject God's message, but it didn't work. 
The message kept coming. Well, if you can't reject the messenger, then the next thing you got to do is reject God's message. And that's exactly what is happening in this text. I don't like it, so I'll cut out what I don't want. There's, there's things in life that you know as well as what I do, you might not like it, but you better do it. Some of you don't like taking the pills that you take every day, but if you don't take it, I'm sure Brian don't like having to take shots for diabetes, but if you don't take it, you know the end result. There's some things that just because we don't like it doesn't mean that we, we stop it. So here he is now dealing with this and, and they say, we don't like it, so let's just cut it out. And the problem with that is when you cut out God's message, you cut out God's blessings. If you just take parts of the word of God and not all of the word of God, you'll deny yourself a lot of blessings from God. And by the way, do you realize what they would have saved themselves if they would have just done what God asked them to do? But you can't do what God asked you to do if you don't hear what God asked you to do. Do you know how many people that I deal with regularly that they really are counting on this? They are counting on the fact that if I don't read my Bible, when I meet God in judgment, I'll just plead ignorance. I didn't know it. Lord, I didn't know that. I'm sorry about that, Lord. I didn't know that. That's not God's fault. There's absolutely no excuse not to know what this book says. We have more access to the word of God than we've ever had in any generation. We've got it on our phones, we've got it on our televisions, it's going out everywhere, printed, you, you name it, it's there, it's available. There's no excuse not to know what's in this book. So the devil knows I've gotta take step one, I've gotta dissect it. I've gotta cut out what I don't like. Because if I cut it out, the people won't hear it and if they don't hear it, they won't act on it. You know that's been the plan through all of church history. The problem is this, God gave his word in completion. The canon of God, the canon of God, which is the scripture, the canon of God will never be added to. It'll never be taken away from. And you sure don't want to add to it or take away from it. Read Revelation, the end of the book, and you'll know what I mean. You don't want to add to or take away from the word of God. None, none of us want to do that. But yet that's exactly what has taken place over the years, not just this generation, throughout church history. Do you know in church history there was a time the only ones that had the Bible were the leaders? They didn't have a Bible to take home with them. They keep a Bible on the pulpit and they depended on the preacher for everything. And that's fine as long as the preacher preaches the whole council. But it limited their knowledge to certain things. And they were restricted and really it went from a place where it couldn't be helped to a place where people abused it for power to say I'm only gonna let them know what I want them to know. And that history moved forward from the early church era of time and, and through 
a point where finally it became known worldwide as the dark ages. Do you know why it was the dark ages? Because there was no light. Preachers were just merely controlled by kings and others that they had to say. I, I remember the first time that I went into the USSR at that time. For those of you that were younger, uh, you know Russia is Russia, but there was a time when there was a conglomerate of, of communism where that they had multiple nations all under the control of Russia. And when you'd go in, I, what amazed me, there was at that time, the church, the true church, was known as an underground church that they had to worship in private. The first meeting that we actually went to was out in a forest at four o'clock in the morning. They met in the forest because they, they, they got in the center of the forest and when the fog was down, they could sing and preach and they couldn't hear them because a lot of the pastors that I dealt with, they had served prison time and they'd been in labor camps for preaching the gospel. And they'd been tortured, unbelievable. Uh, Brian and I have two brothers, they're good friends. Uh, they're from Romania. Their father was killed for preaching the gospel. That's hard for us to imagine here, but that's the way it was. But yet, what amazed me, here was the thing. There was what they called state-run churches. And basically, the state-run churches, they, they had worship, but they only had worship that the Communist Party allowed them to have. So they were limited. They had to submit what they preached, what they sang. Now, we're, we're talking about in my lifetime that existed in this world. So it's a control of the devil trying to cut out the word of God. Feel free to check this out. And uh, I encourage you to do it. Uh, in Washington, D.C., there's the Museum of the Bible. You, you familiar with that? Uh, it's, it's really gained a lot of notoriety since it's been there. Thank God it is there. Tremendous thing in our nation's capital to have something that tells the history of the Word of God. In the Museum of the Bible, uh, I haven't had the, the opportunity to go and personally see it yet, but I followed it a lot because I'm really intrigued by it. Uh, one of their main displays, one of their main exhibits in that Museum of the Bible is a single Bible, a single Bible that exists. And it is called, and I don't mean to be offensive by this, it's the term of the Bible, it is called the Slave Bible. The Slave Bible was designed that when you look at that Bible, uh, it, it, was, it was published, there's some things they know, some things they're not certain about. It was published by a Bible missionary group and the Bible missionary group published it for Jamaica, some other Caribbean nations, where the slaves, African slaves were starting to have a desire to learn to read, and some were learning to read in secret. And they thought, if they're gonna read, we wanna get a Bible that they'll only read what we give them. So they 
developed, they believe they published a thousand of them. There's only, I think, I think there's three known copies left in the world. And one of them is on display from a college that has allowed the Bible Museum to have it, the Slave Bible. And they, they printed it so that it would look like a regular King James Bible because it came out of a publishing company that was out of the UK. So they wanted it to look like a normal Bible. Do I have your attention? Here's the problem with it. In that particular slave Bible, there's 90% of the Old Testament has been removed. There's only about half of the New Testament in it. It, your Bible in your hand has 1,189 chapters. The Bible, the slave Bible, has 232 chapters. They had cut out 900 chapters. But they printed it, which is remarkable, with bigger print at that time to make it look like it was the same thing. In other words, like you're getting the whole thing but they're serving you an appetizer. What's amazing is what they cut out. They purposely cut out every verse and everything that would encourage the African slaves to believe in liberty and freedom. The book of Exodus, gone. Moses, leading the people out of Egypt, gone. The book of Galatians, gone. The book of Jeremiah, gone. You know why? There's verses there that condemn slavery. And they didn't want, these, these owners of the slaves didn't want the slaves to know that there's such a thing as freedom and liberty. They kept them in fear. They kept them in bondage. And they thought if they read that, they might believe it. What they did allow was the verses, verses out of Ephesians that encouraged obedience. And they were submission. All of those types of verses they kept. But anything that would tell them of a possibility of freedom, they removed it. So they said, if we give them the word of God, let's give them what we want to give them. Let's not give them the whole truth because we'll keep them in bondage. What a horrible black mark on history. Terrible. Terrible that any human would enslave another human being. Would you help me preach? Why, it's wrong. Scripturally, it's wrong. You say, well, it talks about being subject to your masters. You're taking it out of context. God doesn't encourage a human being to own any other human being. And that includes in your own marriage. Your wife is not your slave and you're not a slave to somebody else. been a terrible, terrible mark in history, in church history, because they said, if they read that, 
They might believe that. Let me tell you something. If you go cutting things out of your Bible, that's exactly what the devil wants because there's some things, if you get a hold of it, he's done. If you start reading about tithing and giving, he's done. Your life will change. He doesn't want you to have liberty. If you start reading about healing and forgiveness, you'll find out he's done. He wants to take away everything that will ever give you any liberty, any freedom. He doesn't want you to know about it. He doesn't want you to hear about it. But listen, it's in the book. And now, if you don't know what's in the book, it's on you. You got a law right here. Every now and then I go back, this particular Bible my dad used, I go back just cause I get to see his handwriting. He marked it all up. I get to see his handwriting, I about worn it out. Someone told me, said, you got, you got to get another cover on that. I don't want another cover on it. I'm not against getting a cover on a Bible. It's just, it's my dad's Bible. And the truth of the matter is, we're not gonna live in liberty in the Lord if we don't listen to this. And we won't listen to it if we don't know it. If you ever really grasp what I'm saying, your life will be different forever. I don't choose to live in darkness. So now some people are wanting to rewrite history. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of some of the things that has happened, but it's our history. And we learn from our history. We learn from our mistakes, just like we learn from our successes. It takes it all. Life is good and there's things in life that's bad. There's things that we need knowledge of. The devil would love to keep us in ignorance about some things, but what we ought to do is we say, we refuse to live in ignorance. We're gonna know what God's word says. When the Lord comes again, we're not gonna be living in darkness, not knowing what's going on. We choose to believe what he says in this book. I wish I could tell you that's always easy. Sometimes you're, bound up at home and can't get to the house of God but you still believe it. You'll go through some things but you still believe it. It's the word of God. So it's just as simple. Accept it or reject it. There's promises that God gives us I want to know those promises. There's things that can hinder me from receiving those promises because my relationship with the Lord isn't what the Lord wants it to be. I want to know those things. If I should be doing it, I want to do it. If I shouldn't be doing it, I don't want to do it because those things is what brings us into real liberty in the spirit and liberty in the Lord. The choice is ours. This year I am praying for our church to have a craving for the word of God like never before. 
The end time, there'll be a famine. The famine will not be for the word of God. The famine will be for knowledge of the word of God. And if you don't read it or you don't listen to it, you'll not have knowledge of it. And if you don't have knowledge of it, you don't know what to stand on when you feel like the world is shaking under you and you're on sinking ground. But if you have knowledge of the word of God, the devil can't hold you back. He can't stop you. And one other thing, you can cut it up, you can throw it away. God's got the original copy. And he'll just bring somebody else. You say, why, preacher, do you really believe that? I sure do. I close with this as they come with a song. When we went to the Soviet Union on one of our trips, the first, one of the earlier groups that we met with, they had no Bibles, they wanted Bibles. We, we said we had a burden to send Bibles. I know on one occasion we sent three semi-trailers full of Bibles, went to Finland, had them published in Finland, printed in Finland, took a, really smuggled across the border to get them into Russia so they'd have Bibles. I asked them, the thing of it is, is that when you would preach and you'd mention a verse of scripture, they would all be with you. They would know that verse of scripture. And I was intrigued by that. They didn't have Bibles, but they knew the Bible. So I asked them, I asked one of the pastors, he'd been in prison like 27 years for preaching the gospel. And I said, how does all your people know the Bible? He said, well, when we would get a copy, we would cut out certain pages and he said we would hand it to one person and say, memorize it. And said, then we had to get rid of it, preacher, because if you were caught with it, it could even mean death. But he said, so what we would do is when we would go to church, it was important that everybody be there because everybody had a portion, had a portion of it memorized. And he said, for example, he put his arm around the fellow beside him and he said, this is the book of John. The guy quoted the whole book of John, word for word, knew every word of it. And he said, see, if he's not here today, we don't have the book of John. Does the Bible not say that we are a living epistle read of all men? When you get the word in you, and we come together collectively, when we go through things, we've got the whole book, and we can share the whole book with each other, and we can help one another, and strengthen one another, and support one another, but we've gotta get it in us.